Hey, all my friends out there, welcome back to another edition of Fin Weekly, where I provide weekly updates on what's happening in the world of finance and the economy. My name is Steve Coffrin, and today is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023, and I'm excited for this episode, so let's go ahead and jump in right now. First up on the Fin Weekly radar this week, economists at Goldman Sachs raised concerns about the recent surge in U.S. Treasury yields, but in the same breath insisted that these trends weren't likely to be a predictor of a possible recession at this time. If you missed it, 10-year U.S. Treasury yields have risen by about 70 basis points since September, reaching their highest level since before the global financial crisis in 2007, closing at 4.8% on Friday. Now, we've seen a trend of higher interest rates over the last few months, but the key takeaway is this. It's unlikely that these risks are individually significant enough to cause a full-blown recession, and the Federal Reserve's ability to implement interest rate cuts could offset a lot of the negative impact in such scenarios. However, I want to keep things transparent here, so let's recap on what some of the potential dangers associated with the surge in Treasury yields actually are. For example, we could see reduced stock valuations because higher yields on treasuries make them more appealing compared to stocks. If equity risk premiums fall to historic levels too, that's where the 1% reduction in GDP growth could be expected. Another issue for my business owners out there is the increased risk of business closures and failures. A more challenging financing environment may result in as much as a 50% increase in business exit rates, which could also reduce the rate of opportunity for economic expansion. And last but not least, there are concerns about federal debt sustainability. If things aren't kept in tight check, we might be looking at a number of deficit reduction measures, which can negatively impact the economic forecast over the next few years. Looking back at history, and I'm not saying that history is a predictor of the future, but if we look back to the past, we face similar situations and come out just fine. So there's some comfort in knowing that we've weathered this type of storm before. Sure, a 50 basis point dip in GDP growth is worth noting, but it's not a recession on the horizon. We've got resilience and there's time to make smart moves and adjust our strategies to handle this. So while there are concerns, rest assured we got tools and experience to navigate these choppy waters and keep our economic ship sailing steadily. But don't just take it from me, Lori Logan, the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, has offered her own thoughts, saying that the recent upswing in long-term treasury yields may actually be the remedy we need for the Fed to slow down on further interest rate hikes. In fact, she contends that elevated term premiums, which are basically compensation for investors taking on risks associated with interest rate fluctuations in bonds, could potentially reduce the need for additional monetary tightening. But there's a catch. See, if it's the strong economy pushing those long-term rates up, the Fed might still have to step in and tighten the money supply. Right now, the Fed is engaged in deliberations concerning the prospect of another federal funds rate hike later this year, even though we've seen a series of rate hikes recently. What we do know is Fed Vice Chair Michael Barr thinks that the job market is getting a bit more balanced, helping steer inflation in the right direction. So exactly how can you prepare for these possible upcoming changes? Well, I always like to remind you to stay vigilant about your finances, what you've got and what you owe and how you're spending. When it comes to your investments, spread the risk, keep some savings in things that can beat inflation like stocks or real estate. And last but not least, keep your long-term goals in mind and be ready to adjust your plans as things change because you can almost guarantee that they will. 
Next up, the European Central Bank, the ECB, President Christine Lagarde revealed this week that the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, has revised down its global economic growth forecast with one notable exception, the United States. And while the IMF's latest projections have been adjusted downwards, things are looking stable for the United States. Currently, the IMF's outlook envisions global GDP expanding by 3% in both 2023 and 2024, with the U.S. economy expected to grow by 1.8% in each of these years. On a global scale, economic growth hasn't returned to its pre-pandemic levels, and while the U.S. is exhibiting stronger momentum, other advanced economies like China are still falling short of expectations. Lagarde has reiterated that the ECB's goal is to avoid a recession while still addressing inflation, and emphasized that she is optimistic about the euro area's short-term outlook. So, what factors might be behind the IMF's decision to lower global growth forecast, and why does the outlook of the U.S. still look so positive? Well, firstly, economic conditions vary from one country to another, and while the United States witnessed a relatively robust post-pandemic recovery, some other advanced economies are grappling with challenges in sustaining growth momentum. Remember, the United States implemented a significant fiscal stimulus package, which bolstered consumer spending and supported economic growth. But for other countries, divergent recovery paths, varying pandemic management approaches, supply chain disruptions, trade dynamics, and international relations all play a role in shaping the economic prospects of different countries. Now, obviously, this isn't all set in stone and we're not out of the woods just yet. It's important to acknowledge that economic forecasts are inherently uncertain, subject to unexpected events and global developments. Fortunately, we're here to keep tabs on the IMF's evolving assessment of the economic landscape. On the flip side of this developing story, Euro area governments appear to be holding back on adopting budgetary policies that align with the European Central Bank's efforts to control inflation. Understandably, the alignment of fiscal and monetary policies is crucial for controlling inflation effectively, but right now this coordination is seriously lacking. The ECB's tightening measures have had an adverse impact on economic growth, with GDP expanding by only 10 basis points in each of the first two quarters of the year. And now EU rules, which are designed to prevent excessive borrowing, have been suspended since 2020 to allow governments to support their economies. In the meantime, though, many euro area governments are not aligning their budgetary policies with the European Central Bank's efforts to control rising inflation. The ECB is concerned that these governments are not cooperating to stabilize the euro area economy despite the ECB's efforts to raise interest rates to curb inflation. This lack of coordination between fiscal and monetary policies is seen as a challenge in managing inflation effectively. What's more, the ECB's tightening of monetary policy has had a negative impact on economic growth, potentially even raising the possibility of a recession in the euro region. And the suspension of EU borrowing limits since 2020 to support economies during the crisis only further complicates efforts to establish a unified fiscal strategy. Overall, the situation reflects a disconnect between the ECB's monetary policies and the fiscal policies of euro area governments, but it's good to keep an eye out on how these things connect. Next up on my radar, over an eventful weekend of negotiations, Caius Capital, along with other creditors, made a huge financial maneuver aimed at bolstering the financial stability of Metro Bank. 
This strategic move involved a substantial 175 million pound or $214 million bond sale in an effort to fortify Metro Bank's financial position. In particular, the majority of creditors opted to exchange their existing 2025 bonds with new ones maturing in 2028, allowing them to sidestep possible losses on their holdings. But why this restructuring? In a nutshell, this financial restructuring was a rescue deal for Metro Bank after alarm bells were raised following a prolonged period during which its bonds had been trading at a significant discount. As for the investors, Caius Capital actually wound up with some pretty substantial gains since the bonds they acquired were trading lower than normal, but surged after the deal closed from 57 pence to 88 pence. Unfortunately for holders of Metro Bank's subordinated bonds, they had to contend with less favorable terms, including the issuance of new bonds maturing in 2034, along with a 40% reduction in the value of their existing bonds. As for the big picture, the successful execution of this debt restructuring marks a noteworthy event within the realm of the UK's financial sector, and this deal signifies a pivotal step towards restoring the financial equilibrium of the bank. And yet the necessity of such an exceptional debt restructuring within the UK financial sector emphasizes the seriousness of the challenges Metro Bank faced and the importance of ensuring investor trust. Because nobody wants to hold on to risky investments in uncertain times. It's that simple. And last but not least, Country Garden, a major player in China's property development sector, finds itself at a critical financial crossroads. If you haven't been keeping up, recent failures to meet significant dollar interest payments have raised concerns about the company's financial stability, leaving investors apprehensive about potential losses. As one of China's most heavily indebted developers, with a total debt load of approximately $187 billion, Country Garden's woes shed light on the challenges plaguing China's property market in general. Since 2021, the sector has been grappling with difficulties, including multiple defaults and numerous incomplete projects, despite government efforts to stimulate demand. The company's recent announcement that it may struggle to meet offshore payment obligations is only making things worse. The low trading prices of its dollar bonds, currently at 5 to 7 cents on the dollar, means it's clear that investors are skeptical about recovery. But as far as the wider market, the risk of defaults and debt restructuring, accompanied by possible financial contagion, emphasizes the need for substantial government support and possible policy interventions. And to make a bad thing worse, the upcoming coupon payments, including a $40 million interest payment in a 2024 bond and a $15.4 million payment on a 2025 note, are also surrounded by uncertainty. As always, my advice is to remain vigilant and well-informed about China's evolving property market and its financial implications. So there you have it. That's a wrap for Fin Weekly today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out the resources that are made available to you at byfiq.com if you want to continue to bolster your financial intelligence, which I believe is super critical if you want to capture the opportunities that are right before you and that will be coming your way. So there you go. I hope you have a great week. And until next episode, take care. Cheers. Hey, real quick. If you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. 
BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at BYFIQ.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit BYFIQ.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play App Store today. Thanks again.